0: So I was walking through Whole Foods the other day and I came across this rack of brightly colored bottles and bags of pills and powders that was called microalgae DHA. So I picked one of these bags up and turned it over to look at the ingredients and it said 500 milligrams per serving of docosa hexanoic acid and I thought to myself, What is Hexanoic acid? After reading all these miraculous things that this substance is supposed to do, like treat depression, anxiety, heart disease, help with the treatment of rheumatoid arthritis, and a variety of other things. So, ladies and gentlemen, what is the science behind hexanoic acid? Let's talk about that. Welcome to the science behind that with Atticus Hamilton. Hello all you scientists and welcome on back to the Science Behind That podcast. I am your host Atticus Hamilton and as you heard from my different intro, um, today we're going to be talking about docosahexaenoic acid or DHA and we're also going to be talking a little bit about EPA which is eicosapentaenoic acid um, just because usually those two come together. Not always, um, and as I learned from um, Whole Foods, not all of those uh, suppliers that produce DHA actually add in um, EPA if it's from algal sources, Um, but we'll get into that. So today we're going to, much like with the last episode, we are going to break this whole thing down into basically what is DHA and EPA, number one, or part one. Part two is going to be all the claims made about it. Part three, of course, is going to be analyzing those claims and seeing if there's actually literature behind it to back it up. And then part four, of course, is going to be the ending You know, thoughts about whether or not you guys should should add DHA and EPA supplements to your diet, or just should you start eating fish for for that purpose. So let's get into it. So you already know by now that DHA stands for docosohexanoic acid and EPA stands for uh, eicosapentaenoic acid. So what are these two things? Well, they're omega-3s. They're very specific types of omega-3s, very unique types of omega-3s that in the past couple years have gotten um, a lot of, I guess, traction behind them. They've gotten a lot of support um, from both the fitness community and from the, the, the actual scientific community because there's been a lot of research into both of these compounds. So, First off, what are the claims made about, you know, what these things do? Well, there's a lot out there. And, um, for the purposes of time and simplicity, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense for me to talk, you know, majorly about, um, everything that, that, that it's claimed that these substances do, but we are going to touch on seven different things. So, People say that DHA and EPA together um, can treat depression, help with heart disease, um, infant development, rheumatoid arthritis, menstrual pain, Renaud's syndrome, and lupus. And um, so we're going to go through each one of those. I don't think I really need to explain in any further detail what any of those are other than maybe uh, Renaud's syndrome and lupus. So Renaud's syndrome so renaud's syndrome is basically it's a sort of condition where um certain areas of the body usually like fingers and toes the the furthest extremities they feel numb and cold in response to either cold temperatures or stress and usually what's occurring here is that small capillaries within these tissues and smaller arteries they vasoconstrict so they get smaller and that limits the amount of blood that can perfuse to that area and that causes um uh that cold temperature feeling and this overall process is called vasospasms so it's it's when those capillaries um transiently uh, vasoconstrict so they temporarily vasoconstrict in response to cold or, or stress making the extremities feel cold or numb. Um, and you can kind of visualize this if you have like a pulse oximeter um, or a device that you put like on your finger that measures oxygen um, saturation in your blood. It will also measure the perfusion index of that tissue. And so usually if if somebody has Renaud's syndrome or Renaud's syndrome, they're saying you pronounce it Renaud? <laughs> Renaud's syndrome, um, then it's you're going to have a really low perfusion index. Or if your extremities are just cold in general, that will result in a low perfusion index. But anyway, so that's Renaud's syndrome. And then lupus, I'm sure all of us have heard of this in some way. Lupus is a chronic autoimmune disease, which is basically it causes pain and inflammation in a variety of different regions of your body. And it's an autoimmune disease where the immune system is attacking, attacking those tissues. The reason this occurs, people don't really understand. If you just look it up on like the CDC's website. It'll say a person gets lup- lupus possibly from sunlight, stress, smoking, certain medications and viruses um, may trigger symptoms in people who are most likely to get lupus due to their genes. So it's a genetic thing and we don't really understand what causes it, what activates those genes. Um, yeah. So anyway, So docosahexanoic acid and ecosahexanoic acid are both um, said to help with both Renaud's syndrome and lupus along with everything else. So let's get into it. So we're going to first start off with depression. And if there's actually any literature that um, suggests that that both these compounds helps with depression. Um, So according to Mount Sinai, Um, They say some studies show that fish oil reduces symptoms of depression. However, it is not clear whether DHA by itself has the same effect. Other studies suggest EPA improves depression. So that's Mount Sinai's sort of like, you know, insert basic answer here. No offense to Mount Sinai. I do like what they do, but it is kind of a basic answer. So I did some digging and I found a um, a meta-analysis Um, called Omega-3 DHA and EPA for Cognition, Behavior and Mood Clinical Findings and Structural Functional Synergies with Cell Membrane Phospholipids. And this was by Paris M. Kidd um, with a PhD, I guess. Um, I don't know. Let's see if I can find what journal it's a part of. Thome, Thorn, Thome. Thorne Research Incorporated. Apparently, this was just a research review or a meta-review of a variety of different, air quotes, alternative medicine therapies. So, what they determined was that there were... So, they found seven double-blind, peer-reviewed research studies that were conducted... Um, and six of those seven reported significant um, benefit of the use of DHA and EPA in a uh, in a in a quantity of two grams and four grams administered daily for 12 days in alleviating depression within an age group of six to 12 years. Um, now, other than this research paper there is a lot of studies here that show a similar result um like for example this study DHA effects in brain development and function while this doesn't specifically look at depression this does talk about the importance of DHA in both early development and potential effects later on during childhood and adult life um and, and this research paper is called DHA Effects in Brain Development and Function. And this was published in the Journal of Nutrients from the uh, Department of Nutrition, Exercise and Sports, University of Copenhagen, Denmark, Psychiatric Clinic, Department of Neuroscience, Mental Health uh, in Italy, and a variety of other places, including the Department of Psychiatry in Texas, blah, blah, blah. And this um, paper basically showed that DHA had a significant um, benefit in early childhood development, and we're going to get into that a little later, but this research paper showed that it has significant benefit in early childhood development, um, both fetal development and infant development, and that their data suggests that it may also serve a big purpose later in life with um, cognitive health and um, that potentially uh, DHA, uh, decreasing DHA levels may have something to do with cognitive decline in relation to major psychiatric disorders. So I thought that was rather interesting. So just from the research I found, it seems like this claim that DHA and EPA may help with depression, may have some ground. You know, as with everything, other studies should be done. But it definitely looks like the research that is coming out about this is showing that the claims made about it may actually hold water, at least with depression. Next, I wanted to talk about um, uh, heart disease. And going back to um, Mount Sinai, so Mount Sinai says that um, DHA and EPA appear to help improve outcomes for people who already have heart disease. They may also lower the risk for developing heart disease. Omega-3 fatty acids found in fish oil help lower triglycerides, lower blood pressure, reduce risk of blood clots, improve health in arteries, reduce the amount of arterial plaque which narrows arteries and cause heart disease Um, and the American Heart Association actually recommends eating fish particularly fatty fish at least two times per week and fatty fish would include like salmon herring lake trout sardines and albacore tuna although ladies and gentlemen I would advise against eating tuna because of the mercury in tuna Um, I don't eat tuna for that reason. If you must eat tuna, make sure to soak it in milk. Um, Don't drink that milk, but make sure to soak it in milk before you actually eat the tuna. Anyway, so kind of going along with this, um, additional systemic studies have determined that DHA and EPA reduce rates of all-cause mortality, stroke, sudden death, along with cardiac failure. And so that kind of that kind of agrees with what Mount Sinai has been saying here but the 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 real question that I have anyway is if this is the case why is it that decosohexanoic acid and um acid why is it that those two do all these things what is the actual physiological process that is occurring here to reduce plaque formation, to reduce um, uh, uh, cardiac or heart disease in general. And overall, what it appears to be is that um, DHA and EPA have a differential effect on LDL, um, which is bad cholesterol. And it appears to be where they essentially bind to this ldl and prevent the ldl from being metabolized by foam cells which or sorry prevents them from being metabolized by macrophages and as we know um, from (laughs) a variety of my other episodes on um, heart disease related topics it's when macrophages eat low density lipoprotein or ldl and become foam cells that you get a plaque. And so the research here, published in the Journal of Nutrition, Volume 139, Issue 5, May 2009, um, seems to suggest that both EPA and DHA are able to inhibit that from occurring, thereby reducing the levels of serum uh, concentrations of LDL and total LDL levels. Um, along with reducing triglycerol in the blood. Um, And additionally, they determined that DHA intake actually significantly increased serum HDL levels, um, uh, and HDL is high-density lipoprotein. And so overall, it seems like at least this study suggests that the isolated dietary intake of EPA uh, and DHA leads to differential enrichment in LDL due to interconversion um, and moderate amounts of EPA and DHA are effective in improving lipid profiles of normal lip nor, normal lipidemic humans. Um, basically they mean that moderate amounts, not excessive amounts, moderate amounts seem to be effective in. Reducing LDL, increasing HDL levels in people. Um, And and this study was conducted on 74 men and 19, uh, or 74 men and women aged 19 to 43. So it looks like so far the first two claims that it helps with um, depression and heart disease seem to hold water. Now here we go with the infant development. So Mount Sinai says that DHA plays a crucial role in the growth and development of the central nervous system as well as visual functioning in infants. Breastfed babies with healthy mothers should get enough DHA and EPA in breast milk, assuming the mother herself is has enough DHA and EPA in her diet. And so, again, I went to the literature to find out if this is true, um, or at least if the research concurs with this, because we can't really prove anything in science. We can only show support through data. And the data suggests that this is accurate. In young babies, uh, and particularly in babies' brain development, DHA is vital because it fluidizes the phospholipid bilayer of neurons within the developing brain. So what does that mean? I know some of you are probably like, I don't understand what you said. Phospholipid bilayers, as we all know, are um, the membranes of cells, right? They're composed of a uh, hydrophobic tail region and a hydro philic head region, um, and that's why they orient themselves the way they do. So in 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 high school biology, anyway, I I was always taught that how do you increase or that in a cold environment you want to increase the fluidity of a cell membrane because that reduces freezing. And so how do you do that? You add cholesterol. But in a hot environment, you want to decrease the fluidity of a phospholipid bilayer. And so how do you do that? You remove cholesterol. And this cholesterol is what gets in between the phospholipids and um, increases or decreases that fluidity. But it, it's not just cholesterol. And what it has been determined is that other phospholipids and other um, molecules like EPA and DHA Get into DHA in particular, get in between the phospholipid bilayer, the phospholipids in that phospholipid bilayer of neurons, especially in developing babies, and they increase the fluidity. And so, what does that mean? That means that the neurons, if they have a more fluid cell membrane, they're able to basically send out dendrites a lot easier and form synapses a lot more efficiently and at a Quicker rate than otherwise. And so it's vitally important for developing babies because the DHA is actually a fantastic fluidizer. And it's because of that integration in the phospholipid bilayer that then facilitates the neurons to rapidly develop synapses with each other and rapidly form dendrites to more synapses with each other, which allow for healthy cognitive development in babies. And so at this point, I want to mention that this is probably why people also say that DHA is important for overall cognitive function in adults. And this is probably the mechanism behind why the research is suggesting that as well, because the DHA in particular uh, i haven't found any studies on just the epa yet but the dha in particular probably allows for more fluid synaptic formation just like in the babies in adults and overall if you can form synapses quicker and more efficiently you, need, you don't need as much time learning one thing as you would otherwise. You know, if your brain is able to form connections much faster than it would otherwise, you don't need to spend as much time learning that particular topic next is rheumatoid arthritis so small studies have found that fish oil may help reduce symptoms and inflammation linked with rheumatoid arthritis however it does not stop joint damage from getting worse so that's mount Sinai, and in the research that i found so far i would have to agree with them um There hasn't been a lot of research on DHA and EPA in particular, isolating those compounds and then testing them as an experimental study in particular. But the one I did find demonstrated that, um, uh, where is it? Oh, there it is. That DHA and EPA together, and again, administer quantities of 2 grams to 4 grams per day demonstrated a significant reduction in C-reactive protein in patients. So what is C-reactive protein? You could think of C-reactive protein as a a, 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 a beacon in a, I don't know, what, what's a good example? If you have an infection, think of that as a fire, right? And C-reactive protein is basically somebody pulling the fire alarm within the building, which alerts the fire department. And in this example, the fire department is the immune system, and the fire alarm is C-reactive protein. C-reactive protein is a messenger of the immune system. Basically, when you have inflammation, either because of an infection or an autoimmune disorder of some kind, C-reactive protein levels elevate and it understates of elevated C-reactive protein levels, you have more inflammation. Um, And so it's kind of like a a feedback loop on itself, right? The more C-reactive protein you have, the more inflammation you have, and the more inflammation you have, the more C-reactive protein you have. And so small studies have suggested that, or have demonstrated that DHA and EPA in those quantities, two two to four grams per day, um, was able to reduce C-reactive protein levels in a randomized trial of patients. Now, how that translates specifically to rheumatoid arthritis, I couldn't tell you. And I'm not sure if there's a lot of data specifically out there. Um, Obviously, there's a couple small studies that found that fish oil in general, but... um, DHA can be can come from a variety of different sources, particularly microalgae um, and at the very end of the uh, episode I'll talk about that but so there definitely needs to be more research onto the rheumatoid arthritis aspect so I can't say for certain whether or not you know we have a lot of data to support that claim. Menstrual pain, once again, um, according to Mount Sinai, fish oil seems to reduce the pain of menstrual cramps when taken on a regular basis. I couldn't find a lot of data about this one in particular. Um, It seems like it's going to be a very similar situation to the C-reactive protein where it functions instead of reducing the levels of C-reactive protein, it functions as more of an antioxidant But as for this claim, I couldn't find a lot of research into it specifically, so I can't say one way or another if it's a valid use. And then with Renaud's syndrome, so several studies have shown that high doses of DHA and EPA, around 12 grams, can reduce sensitivity to cold in the fingers and toes of of people with Renaud's syndrome. With this, I would theorize that the mechanism of action with this is very, very similar to that with um, the circulatory action and with the nervous system. The DHA probably fluidizes the neurons within the pain receptors of the fingers, so they don't transmit as much signal saying, ooh, this is, you know, really numb, because probably simultaneously it's increasing the the size of the capillaries within the fingers because if you remember renaud's syndrome is when you have vasoconstriction in the capillaries of your distal digits that results in the feeling of being numb or cold and so it would be i think safe to propose then that the DHA is increasing the vascularity, is increasing the size of those capillaries, i.e. vasodilating them so the tissue feels warmer because more blood is perfusing to those tissues in people with Renaud syndrome. The interesting thing would be to compare, to do a study with DHA and EPA in people with Renaud syndrome and people who just have cold hands and feet know, after being outside in the cold to see if you have a a similar amount of, um, uh, numbness, amelioration in both of those groups. That would be an interesting study. And then lupus, uh, preliminary studies suggest that fish oil may reduce the fatigue and joint pain associated with lupus. Now this is interesting. So once again, if you recall, lupus is, um, Cause it's an autoimmune disease, right? So the immune system is attacking um, yourself, cells, your own tissue, and what again was one of the primary messengers of the immune system, C-reactive protein. So we already have the data to suggest that DHA and EPA reduces the levels of C-reactive protein. Well, then it would it would be safe to assume that that's the mechanism that is occurring within lupus in those primary studies that demonstrated that fish oil particularly DHA and EPA may reduce the fatigue and joint pain associated with with lupus if you're reducing the levels of c-reactive protein In a patient with an autoimmune disorder, you're reducing the levels of inflammation, which thereby reduces the amount of pain associated with that. So overall, ladies and gentlemen, for the most part, it seems like, um, you know, the, the claims that were made about DHA hold water, at least in the most recent research out there. So... Ladies and gentlemen, um, before we go, I just want to say, if you are thinking about, uh, consuming DHA and EPA, I'd first just try eating more fish, you know, um, particularly salmon and trout, fatty fish, because that has a lot of, of DHA and EPA in there. I would personally stay away from fish oil pills, um, and that's a personal choice. you can get um, DHA tablets that are made from algae and they add EPA there as well. so if that's something you guys want to try go ahead I'll, although you know you know me I'm a big advocate of real uh, of real foods, whole foods so you know if uh I would start there trying incorporating more fish into your diet otherwise I'd look for, algae, DHA, and EPA. You kind of want that EPA together because it seems like DHA and EPA function sort of together with a lot of these things that, that claims are being made about. So ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for listening to today's episode of The Science Behind That. As always, have a fantastic weekend and I will catch you guys on Monday. Remember, stand up and question everything. Oh, mm-hmm.